Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And unlike the Red Wings, we are actually holding the line. <laughs> we are the last line of defense. And I think the Red Wings are about on the last line of a defense because they've got none. And you know, it's funny because we were going through a pre-show talking about the Red Wings points and how like the disparity, like the disparity between the top guys and the bottom guys, and it's not even freaking close. Yeah, and that says an awful lot. You know, it puts a lot of pressure on Dylan Larkin. Dylan Larkin's leading the team in points, and uh, you know that's probably the one bright spot that I'm that I can at least be excited about is that you know we were concerned at the beginning of the season whether or not you know this was a make or break season for Dylan. He needed to produce. He needed to show what he can do. And uh, he's he has done that and then some. So I think that's terrific news for him personally, but it's also good news for the organization moving forward. But on you said as you said, Joe, on the flip side of that, uh, you know we've got no one else producing, and uh, you've got a tremendous uh, disparity between your top point scorers and everybody else. Well, two of your top. Two of your guys that are in the top are your rookies, which you really shouldn't have happened, but that's the reality of the situation because of how good they are. Well, and that's al- why I'm in it, love with it. It also speaks to the volumes of how non... See, I got hit on last year, last week, because people... No, were... Joe, we don't want to hear about your personal no, people, conquests. People, no, people... You were getting hit on. No, I know what you meant. People were, were taking you me were to task. You were getting some hate. You were getting they were taking me to task because I said this team wasn't talented. And they aren't talented. If you look at the points, besides Larkin, Raymond, Bertuzzi, Verona, and Sider and Raymond, there's not much talent throughout the team. You know, in NHL, you need a four-line team... And you need three lines of defense that are two pairs. You know, they're pairs, three pairs of two, your defensemen. You need three pairs that can get it done. You know, these all these cup teams, if you look at the Floridas, you look at the Tampa Bays, you look at the uh, Calgary Flames, you look at the, uh, even look at the Minnesota Wild, who the Rebels play tomorrow, they have defensemen, and they have two, at least two good lines of defense. Yeah, the the lack of depth uh, on the D side for Detroit has been an Achilles heel for them for a long time, yep. uh, for multiple seasons now, and they just haven't gotten it fixed, you know. And I think they're looking to 
their um, you know their farm team. They're looking to their guys that are down there in in uh, the A or in other. They've got them in other leagues. You know, their guys coming up to to save their defense. You know, you've got Vincent over there uh, in in Sweden. You've got they brought Mo Sider in. Thank God. Which by the way, I'm in love with him. Uh, just so you know, having I'm having my own personal love affair with uh, Mo Sider. I mean, I just love to watch him play. He just gets me so excited about this team. Uh, him and Lucas Raymond both. I mean, I and I, you know, I say that in a in, in a, the sweetest way. I mean, I really am just in love with watching them play and what it means for the Red Wings going forward. But you know, so they they're bringing these young guys up, and I think they thought that's where their defense was going to come from. But my God, I mean, they've got some some veteran defensemen. You know, Stahl, Letty, some of these guys, and I think they were considering them training tools. For these very young, exciting defensemen but they that they have in the organization, but these, but these the older defensemen have not played up to the, the strengths of it. They haven't. No, and you know, you know, you know, sad part: the third team to has given up the most goals in the NHL is the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, I mean, when you're see, they're top fifteen in goals, but when you're top, you're the bottom three of the uh, goals against. Probably not going to win a lot of games. Well, yeah, because it doesn't matter if you're scoring five if you're giving up six. Yeah, right now they're averaging 3.59 goals against average. Their goals for is two uh, is a 2.84, which outpaces everybody else. That's the bottom, but they really just can't get it going with the goals against. So what do they need to do to turn that around? What can be I mean, done? Let's, let's put it in perspective. The team that's coming in tomorrow, they're the... They're the uh, they are the Minnesota Wild, right? They mm-hmm. have given up a hundred and and seventy six goals. You gave up two hundred and eleven goals, and if you give up a couple more, you'll be at the bottom of the league in goals against. Right now, Seattle Kraken have two twelve, Montreal is two twelve, and it's just not a good. It's not really a good uh, sign for the Detroit Red Wings when they do that. Well, no, because you can see what's going to happen, and that is they're going to be tallying up a bigger number in that loss column, and they that that's not good for morale. It's not good for anybody's stats, and it certainly is does not help at all in their uh, perhaps pipe dreams of maybe making it into the wild card. Uh, I think it's still mathematically possible uh, for them to make it into the playoffs, but you'd have to go on a hell of a run. And, and yeah, you'd have to, have to have a lot of luck your way, especially Boston, the way they're playing right now, Columbus, the way they're playing right now. It's just not a good situation for the Red Wings to be in because they have, you know, they've relatively played good the whole year. Yeah, they, that's the thing, Joe. They haven't played badly. Like, you can't say this team's been absolutely abysmal. No, but their defense has been a huge problem. But this is something we talked about all year long. And, you know, you've mentioned it. I've mentioned it. It's It was the teams that they were playing. And eventually when you play these teams that are better ranked and, you know, better offensively, you know, talented, more more chances to kill you. Like you, play, you start playing Tampa Bay, Florida, and Carolina, and, you know, uh, Toronto. You know, those are teams that are just – they're offensive heavy. They, they can play you really, really well. In the case of Tampa Bay and Florida, they have defense, too, in a goaltending situation. So, Toronto, obviously, they're just an offensive juggernaut, but they cannot play defense, you know, that 7-10 game that they had in, at the LCA. But it's just interesting because, you know, you've escaped the reality so many times because you've played some 
pretty nonchalant, good team, bad teams. But now you're starting to face these teams that are actually really, really good, like the Avs, like Colorado, Carolina, um, yep. Toronto. You know, mm-hmm. and you're gonna go on this West Coast trip. Before you go on it, you gotta play Minnesota. You gotta go play Calgary. Who are those? Are two Calgary's probably one of the best teams in the NHL. Edmonton, they can score at droves. They got kind of Dave and Lee on Drysdale, but they they have a problem too with goaltending and defense. Well, and Drysdale's at the top of the league right now. He's the top point scorer. Him and McDavid, and it's just it's 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 like you know you you haven't faced this good of talent all year, and eventually you're. The talent of your team was going to should be shown. Reality is going to come crashing down, and we can in a brutal fashion. And we don't even know how long Bertuzzi will be playing because he's going to be having a kid soon. Yeah, you know what? And congratulations to them. I'm actually really excited for Tyler. He might be a little distracted here, but uh, you know, you wouldn't know it from his play because he's still playing very well. Um, but uh, yeah, but any day now, he's. Um, he, he and his uh, significant other are expecting their little bundle of joy and having a little girl, which is wonderful. And um, we're looking forward to eventually seeing her, and I'm sure they're going to have her um, in her her requisite Red Wings gear yep. uh, when we when we finally do see her. And um, guess what? She is going to be the first member of the family that's going to have fewer teeth than Tyler. Wow. That went there. <laughs> So he'll at least be able to say, hey, somebody's got fewer teeth than me now, you know. She'll have a toothless grin to match her dad. But, um, no, I'm very happy for him. Very, He's a sweet, sweet kid. Um, you know, I, I've always – I've been a fan of Tyler's um, and, uh, you know, just, just a real nice guy. So I'm very happy for, for him and uh, looking forward to that for them. But, anyway, um, it might be a good time now for this West Coast, uh, you know um, – trip to come up because I am not sure that he can even go into Canada given his vaccination status. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't really know what their policies are because they change every day. But, you know, it just goes to show, like, that's, that's when you miss one player of your team, like a Bertuzzi or a Raymond or in the case of Verona, you know, you come back. You said it last week. Ah! He would come back. Verona would come back and, and lend a helping hand to the power play. And in the first game he comes back, he actually scores a power play goal. So kudos, I was, kudos to you. I was wondering if I was going to get props from the chat master for that one. Was that, chap going to give me props? Because was, you bet I was adamant about that, that that's where Verona was going to make the difference. It was going to be on the power play in those power play units. And bam. And he made it, he made an impact really, really, you know, right on point. And you bet. I think if you're the Red Wings, I mean the the, the one of the things that you go into the off season, if you're, when you go into the, when you're about to go into the off season, you got to get a second line center. Uh, that's 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 putting it mildly because Suter, who is playing second line center minutes, is not playing up to his uh, the standard that a second line center should be. You know, and he showed a lot of promise when he first came to Detroit, and uh, I actually had high hopes for Suter. Um, but uh, I don't know what's happened here in the last uh, month or so uh, with him. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, maybe he's going through some, you know, has some personal challenges or just in a slump or whatever. But, um, yeah, he's going to need to start producing because uh, we need him there. Uh, we, uh, you know, Dylan Larkin needs that backup. You, you need uh, a second. Yeah. You know, in the NHL, the second yeah. line center is pretty is a pretty big prominent position. If you got two centers, you're probably going to have a good hockey team. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, we've been waiting for guys like Valeno or Rasmussen or um, um, all those guys that we you would think would make the next step, you know. Haven't made the next step. Suter is one of them. You know, he played, he showed some brilliant play in uh, in Chicago. Came to Detroit, second line center. He has not performed well at that at that case. You wonder if it'd be better for him to be on the third line, and uh, whoever comes in as a second line center could potentially be better than he has actually been. Well, the problem is, who are you going to put there? You know what I mean? Right now, I don't think the Red Wings have those kind of options. That's why I think in the offseason, yeah. you're going to have to spend some money to get a good second-line center here because, you know, if you're going to bring up a guy like, uh, if you're going to bring up a guy like Bergeron, you know, you got to get him used to the NHL. Hey, I got to tell you, that guy, I think they should be giving him some looks. And I think the one uh, thing that I think we will see and that I, I know the Red Wings will take advantage of, or I feel they will, uh, once the once the playoff hopes fade uh, and, and become an, an impossibility, I think you're going to start seeing them give some ice time to guys like Bergen, to, to, to some of their other guys who they're going to prep for next season. And I think it will be exciting to see. Because uh, Bergen showed some tremendous promise, and I'd like to see him on some NHL ice. Yeah, he's done pretty good in the last uh, 10 games he's played in Grand Rapids. He's got six points, three goals, three assists. You know, the one thing that they want to do, they want to get, he, they want him to get better at is his defensive game. Um, you know, he's he's a minus, he's a minus uh, two in those 10 games played. He's a minus five in the five, last five games. So that's an issue that he needs to get better at, especially the, the complete ice game. Yep, yep, no doubt. Uh, I mean, he's got some work to do, but that's okay. Um, and then these other guys who just aren't producing, I think, you know, Steve's going to have quite a few decisions he's got to make, and um, they're going to be big ones. So, and I think, uh, you know, he knows what he's doing. We've said it a hundred times, but... Boy, I sure wish he'd clue some of us in. I, Stevie, you know, the, there was another issue that we have to we have to hit we have to hit on uh, with the Red Wings is Jeff Blashill, right? So I don't know if Jeff Blashill is going to get another year. I don't know because it's whatever Stevie says. That's what Darren always says. It, okay, What's the answer? Stevie, whatever Stevie wants. Stevie is right. the man. Okay, if Stevie said don't eat steak, I probably wouldn't eat steak, and I love uh, steak. Uh, if Stevie says Blashill is the best man for the job, am I going to tell him he doesn't know what he's doing? Because I see a lot of these people on the uh, these Facebook groups, and all they say is, "Oh, you know, Mister Miss, you know, Stevie, why did why does he like Jeff Blashill? Because probably he knows more than you do." <laughs> You know, I'm pretty sure he does. I think that's like, a fair bet. Like, I mean, Stevie Y has been in this position. He's, he's built a roster that is has competed and won two Stanley Cups in a row. Pretty sure he knows what he's doing. And if he thinks Chef Blashill is the man for the job right now, uh, I'm going to believe him. I mean, I'm not going to be like, yeah, Stevie, you don't know what you're doing. Or, Stevie, I know more than you and you need to get him out of here. I mean, the reality of the situation is this is, this is a team that's below... The league average in age, so they are really young, and it's you're dealing with young players, and sometimes they don't, they aren't as prepared as an older player, in the way they have to approach the game. So I, that's where I give them a little bit of leeway because I really didn't expect them to be a great team this year. 
because I didn't think they were a really good team. But uh, listen, if Jeff Blashill gets another year because Stevie Y says so, I trust Stevie Y to make that decision because he is the man. Well, and I trust him too, and and I think the Illiches trust him, and um, he, he's not that he's infallible. It's not that he hasn't doesn't have to make adjustments. Not that he doesn't make uh, maybe if mistakes. Wise, if, but he's but he's gonna fix them. And uh, I don't think Jeff Blashill. I don't think he sees Jeff Blashill is a mistake no, uh, at all. If if Stevie Y goes to the Illiches, they have one button to push. It's the yes button. Right. Stevie Y goes the golden buzzer. Steve Steve goes okay. I'm I'm gonna give you this. This is what we're gonna do. This is what I'm gonna do. And you can't say no. What about no? You just answer. You just ask one question. <laughs> that's your one question you get, and that's it. Uh, it's uh, yes. That's right. Answer the question correctly. Stevie is the guy who really knows what he's doing, and he is he has the Iser plan all going together. Like you said, you know when he came into this, this whole. Kumbaya is that it wasn't going to be an easy transition. They're going to need some time because they needed time. They needed to gather talent. They needed to make some good roster moves, and they needed to have contracts expire. And they will have contracts expiring pretty soon. And I just love the way the what the Rebels are going to be coming up because I think that they actually have the cap room to make some pretty substantial moves. And I think that they're going to start making those moves this offseason. I think they have to. I think they have to because you know what? As as um, much as this town loves Steve, and I'll tell you what, I don't think you're going to find a general manager anywhere in the game who's who given is, as much leeway. Well, I don't think you're going to find anybody as committed or who has as much instinct as Steve Eiserman. You're just not. I mean, um, you know, his level of commitment is in the stratosphere. Yep. Okay. It's not just a job for him. This is a mission. This is his home. This is, this means a lot more to him than just that. And he's using every skill he's got and putting it into this team and this organization. There's mm-hmm. no doubt of that. So, um, I don't doubt that he's going to do what he truly believes is best. And there's probably, you're going to, you're hard pressed to find anybody else who's got any better hockey sense than Steve Eisenman. So all that being said, I think that at the same time, Steve is cognizant of the fact that, you know, the fans in Detroit, their their patience is wearing a little bit thin. They're getting a little anxious, and he's going to need to make some big moves soon. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying that it, it dictates what he does. I'm just saying he has an awareness of it. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, they need to, you know, they got to put butts in seats. They've got to sell tickets. And they got to have a product that people are going to come and watch. It's not like the Lions where people just buy tickets no matter how bad they are. They go because, you know, they just want to drink beer and, um, you know, pay 30 bucks a piece for each one, right, and hang out with their buddies and say they were a Lions game. It's not like that. The, the Red Wings are, um, they are, it is somewhat of a family. I will tell you that. I've become uh, very pleased to say I feel I've become a part of that family over the last several years, and it's wonderful, but... This family, as families do, are getting really irritated with each other at times. And uh, it's getting a little frustrating. So, I think Steve needs to make some big moves to uh, really get us uh, closer to the playoff contention level than we are right now. He's got to get some defense. I think Stevie's seen... I think Stevie's seen what 
needs I got I almost did what did you show Remix did and Did you choke? Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think uh Stevie is seeing everything he needs to see this year. You know, I think he, I think he's he, had some disappointments. Though. I mean, well, if you ask me, he came this year saying, "Okay, I needed a step up from Dylan. I needed a step up from Bert. I needed a step up from a couple other guys." And he wanted to see how the rookies performed. Well, the rookies have performed way better than average, oh, way better than the, ever, anyone thought. Lucas bro. Raymond is a, is a stud. Oh. Cider looks like he's a Calder Trophy winner, and he should win the Calder Trophy because he is absolutely. Dominant and 100%. he is getting he is the talk of the NHL in the way that he plays and the way that he performs. And I was watching uh, the, yesterday, I switched over and I watched Arizona Coyotes, and they were talking about you know, I think it was Christian Fisher was talking about his little run in with uh, Cider. And he goes, Yeah, he goes, Cider is a big, big dude, and he um, he'll he's a rookie, but he doesn't seem like a rookie, he seems like he's. Aged a veteran. Well, you know, and I'll tell you why. The reason he looks that way. I was reading an article um, and uh, an interview that uh, Mo had done. I think in the last couple of days. Yeah, the Yahoo one. Yeah, he posted that between the whistles. Yeah. yeah, between the whistles did post that. I knew I read it somewhere. Boy, there's a resource out there for Detroit sports that always has the best stuff, and they always have it first. It's um. Between the whistles, yep. that's right. Between the whistles, but so, he, he takes this very seriously. He's, he's he a, does. He's a very, very. He, he goes to bed early. He does. He thinks. He, he thinks like a pro, and you know what? He and did. he's acting like a pro, and he's preparing like a pro, and that's why he looks like one. If you he's, if you ask the greatest people that ever play the game of hockey, football, basketball, baseball, it's all the same thing. They prepare, 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 because if they don't prepare themselves, they won't be any good. Well, he takes it seriously, you know. When and he even said, you know, when all your buddies are going out gaming or after a game or whatever late night, they want to keep gaming, which is what young guys do, right? You know. And uh, he said, you learn you can't do that. You got to go to sleep early and you got to be ready. And um, what a very mature outlook to have. Mm-hmm. And it is that veteran perspective that he already has at such a young age that is causing his performance to be so much better than the other rookies out there. So um, kudos to Mo. Uh, I, I, I just, I, again, I like this guy more and more. I'm in love with Mo Sider. Break it to his parents now. Break it to mom. I'm in love with Mo Sider. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm in love with his attitude. I'm in love with his performance. I'm in love with what he offers the Red Wings. I can't say enough about this guy. Um, you know, you say some people, they hype him up. And they're not worth the hype. Most cider is worth the hype, and then some. I mean, there's a possibility the city of Troy could have two rookies years, and that would be awesome. Cade Cunningham, Moritz Cider—they're both playing at a phenomenal level, and they're both raising the team the way that they should. You know, obviously Cider needs a little more help, and so does Cade Cunningham. It's the same thing. But if you if you ask me right now, the Rebels are in a very very good spot um, to be in. Especially with what they've had, uh, I mean, the defense hasn't been great. But if you ask me, they're in a better spot this of this year than they were last year at this time. Because actually, you actually know that you have a guy like Cider who is actually going to become a franchise player. You got a guy like Larkin who has absolutely got gotten better. You got a guy like Raymond who's he's going to get better as he, he gets game action. He's gotten a lot better with defensively how he's uh, approached the game. And you got we gotta just 
you know, free agency, I think free agency, the Rebels become players. I think they're going to make some, some good moves. And I think CBY sees that he has a little bit of issues on the uh, forward front, on the second line. And he just needs to make this team better like he did in Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. He knows exactly where his issues are. And I have no doubt that he will take whatever steps are necessary to remedy those. So it's just a matter of um, seeing who he brings in. And then seeing if those things work the way he plans them to work. Yeah. Um, that's that's the other thing. You can have the best laid plan. You can take the best steps. But, you know, you can't predict what what's going to happen, who's going to perform and who's not. You know, you might have a breakout player. We don't expect one. And you might have a guy who, uh, you know, you had all highest expectations for who underperforms, gets in a slump. And, and I'll tell you, the other thing that I've said, and I know you don't like it, Joe, you disagree with me all the time, but I've said it, and I will stick by it. I think Valeno has topped out. I don't think he is going to become what people are, were hoping and expecting. I, um, t- you know, I, I just don't. I, I, I think that um, – I don't know if he needs to change. I should say this. I think Valeno has topped out. If he keeps doing what he's doing, whatever that is, he's going to keep getting the results that he's getting. And he's got to make a change and – um, he he knows what we're talking about. He knows. Uh, he's got to change that because if he keeps being the stubborn mule he's being, and he is, um, he's got he's got to get he's got to drop that stubbornness, drop that damn chip he's got in, on his shoulder, and he, he's got to do what he knows he needs what they're telling him to do, and he will have a chance. But if he doesn't, forget it. He can just. Uh, resign himself to being a mediocre average player, and I don't think he's going to be with this organization very long. I think that there's a lot of players in the, in the Revenant's organization that really need to take a look in the mirror and figure out what the heck they want to be. Uh, I think there's a couple players that you can name. Uh, Rasmussen. Uh, I think you can name a Lind- Gustav Lindstrom. I think you can name a Joe Valeno. I think you can uh, name a Phil Peronic. Yeah. Uh, I think you can name uh, you can name a lot of players that what do you want? What do you, what do you really want to be in the NHL? Because if you keep playing this game of uh, average, below average, I don't think you're going to be around long. And if you're not playing at the the way that CBY wants you to play, yep. and the way the organization is set, you're not going to be around long. They are trying to negotiate the terms of success, and. It's not working, boys. It's not working. I mean, what again, what kind of player do you want to be? Do you want to be the guy who's changing his address every season? Yep. Is that what you want to be? Where you're being shipped around the NHL because you're just trying to make a check? Yep. I mean, come on. Did you did you get in this game to be a champion, or did you get in this game to make, just or make you, a paycheck you, and get by? Or do you want to be a career NHL player? Cause exactly. A lot of them aren't playing up to an NHL standard, and I can guarantee you if you're, if you're not the Arizona Coyotes – or the Montreal Canadiens at this point, they don't they won't take this either because half these players that are on this roster are playing below average, mediocre hockey. Yep, and uh, you know I don't and say this, and it's unfair. It's unfair to Dylan. Yep, it's unfair to uh, Tyler. It's unfair to Cider and, and and Raymond. And you know Vron just came back, and he's already put the puck in the net. I mean it's unfair to them because they have been playing their asses off and you got a bunch of people um that are not playing up to their potential and you know what i here's the thing uh, cindy i can take 
a player not playing offensive. Just play, you know, that they're not good offensively, right? Yeah. There is no reason whatsoever in any sport that if you're not good at doing the offensive type of stuff, I at least expect you to give a, consent, a consensual big effort on the defensive side. And that goes for a, a hockey player, and it goes for a baseball player, and that goes for a basketball player because we know in football there is no offensive defensive player yeah. that plays both sides of this thing. Those sports, if you're, okay, let's, you know, you could be a career 175 hitter in baseball, but if you're a great defensive player, you got you got a spot on a roster. Right. If you're, if you're a basketball player and you, can, and you can defend really, really well, but you can't score, there is a spot for you on the roster. There is a spot for you in roster uh, if you're good defensively in hockey, too, because that's, that's, you need every, you need all five players playing defense at the same time. Yep. Yep. And I, you know, I don't say this. To come hard down, you know, down hard on these guys, Joe. I'm not. I, but I'm saying it's it's a little bit of tough love, okay? I mean, I think everybody needs a little bit of tough love right now, um, because I see mediocre effort. I and like you said, performance that can change with enough. Uh, you change the momentum. You you do enough practice. You change up what you're doing. You know, but the mediocre effort is what I see and that I don't like. And um, and quite frankly, these guys are. They're not being fair to their teammates. They're not being fair to the fans in this city. And they are shortchanging themselves. So it, it's kind of like, you know, you don't have a 30-year career, a 20-year career, okay? You guys got a 10- to 15-year career max. How many of those years are you going to waste? What are you, what are you going to, you know, negotiating the, the terms of success? Quit doing that. Get on the, get on the ball. Make the changes you got to make. And bring us what we know you can, what this organization needs, and that's it. And if I'm it, feeling a little harsh today, Joe, a little harsh. Oh, you're you're going to my little wheelhouse. I, I am. I'm, I, but, I'm meandering into the into Chapland. But I think it's. I think we both can agree that this this team. There's players on this team that have not performed up to their what they they're they're given the opportunity to. Yeah. You know, they, they don't wear just a jersey for a defunct franchise, okay? They wear a, a jersey for... A legacy. The the best lo- One of the best logos in pro sports, one of the best franchises in pro sports. And if you don't believe it, look up at the rafters and see the names that have wore that sweater. You bet. That's what matters. A lot of these players, they're just they're not playing up to the level that is expected as a Red Wing player to come and play. You know, when you look at the seal, the rafters, and you see a guy like Gordy, and you see a guy like the Vecchio, and Lindsey, and Sawchuck, and Stevie Y, and Nick, Ooh, you're giving me goosebumps, and Nick Lidstrom, and Red Kelly, those are guys that have they've exhibited what it means to be a Red Wing, and there's more than those players that have worn the Red Wings jersey that exhibit how you play the game. There was a guy, Datsuk, who showed you how to play the game. There's a guy like Zetterberg who showed you how to play the game. Yeah. And those were recent guys. You know, those are guys that are probably going to have their rafter, their number up in the rafters, too, because they've honestly deserved to play like those guys. Because if you want to be like, if you want to be a guy that's in the long-term plans of the Red Wings, you better get your act together now. Well, and I'll tell you what, if you're not bringing points to the board, you need to bring some heart onto the ice, and that's what we need to see. Bring me some heart. Show me that you got it. Uh, that you've got love for this team. You've got love for this city, 
and you've got love for this opportunity that you have been given, don't squander it. Don't waste it. And that's what that's you know. Bring if it. you look at the Boston Bruins, you know, for years uh, there's been players that they've had that have played on the third and fourth line that aren't really really that good. Mm-hmm. But what they do is they just shell out, like they sell out for the goal to go to the playoffs and yep. have a chance at the Stanley Cup. Blocking shots, taking plays, you know, doing, making defensive plays that really help the defenseman. You know, just helping out their team because that's what you need as a as a as a forward and as a defenseman. You need to make those plays because that's how you become a successful team. I'll look forward to these changes coming. I'm hoping a little my little tough love gets through to uh, to some of these fellows. I I understand. Uh, we got some uh, information today that, again, uh, a lot of them are listen to the show. A lot of them are fans of ours. They're fans of mine, actually. Yup. <laughs> Imagine that. And you know, if, if, and I love them. I love they, every single one of you. They know the exactly what we've been saying is true. Is that they this team needs to be better because, you know, it's it's a, it's a, it's not just we wear the rubber jersey. It's not just it's not just a jersey. It's not just a sweater. It's 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 the way you play and the way you move. It's like the, playing with the Yankees. You know what you you know you know what that franchise is about. You know how it is, and you know what it, it, it is expected. You know, Detroit. You, you expect better, and this is a team that's on the cusp. I think. Yeah, I think that's both, right. I think we're both in agreement. This is a team that's on the cusp. Yes, but, and that's the most painful thing, Joe. That's the hardest thing about this whole thing, is the fact they're so close. They just need to make a couple more adjustments. I wonder if they know how close that they are, because I can see it. I think they are. I think they know that they're close, but I think that they just a lot of these guys and taking a look in the mirror this off season. Yep. And be like, okay, I what I what can I get better at? And the answer is, if your name isn't Larkin, Bertuzzi, Raymond, Sider, and Verano, everything you got work to do. Everything. Yeah. There's everything that you have to get better, at. and that's that's basically the way it goes. And I'm, you know, it's, it sucks that we're in another position where we're not playing for the playoffs at this point, unless it takes a phenomenal run. But man, they just need to—they need to start playing better hockey because it's not all—it's not Blashill's fault, it's not Larkin's fault, or anybody like that. They just don't commit to the defensive side of the ball, hockey, the puck. I just said ball, but the puck. I know you're already—you're already on to football, so. right? They—they're not playing on the defensive side of the puck. They're not—you know—they're allowing too many shots to hit the net, and when you allow shots to hit the net, I don't care if you're a goalie like. Uh, Toxic. I don't care if you're a goalie like Asuka. You're going to let in some goals because you can't take that many shots. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So the Rebels need to get better at, at not allowing so many shots. And it's mainly the second, third, and fourth line that need to really hammer in the point that they need to start playing better because I think CBY is saying, okay, we're going to make some major moves this offseason because obviously none of these guys can really cut it for me. I think so. I think there's no other conclusion to make, and uh, looking forward to seeing how they handle this West Coast uh, trip. Um, hopefully, everybody can stay healthy, stay well, and uh, look forward to lots of exciting. And they play two tough teams, and they play another. Yeah. I'm hoping to see some exciting hockey, though. I'm hoping they come a lot. Now. I hope that this this really sparks them. You know, if it would really help them if they started with my Minnesota and they they played a really good game, they won. Yeah, I think that could set them off because you know another thing they play Seattle their last leg of the trip and Seattle is a very bad defensive team, so that could help them out. But they have to go through Calgary, Vancouver, and Edmonton first, and that is not fun. Good luck with that. 
And the next segment is between the Whistles, Sydney and Joe show, your hometown team. We will be talking about the Detroit Lions and the mock draft that I had that was very, very well hated. Ha <laughs> ha! Joe. Because people don't understand the reality of the situation that presents itself. Enlighten us, Joe. I will. Speaking the gospel. This is the Cindy and Joe show. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And I couldn't get no satisfaction about my mock draft. Yeah, you were catching some hate for your mock draft. Why do you think that is? I'll just give you a little bit of a taste of being a Lions fan. You know, a lot of Lions fans, I don't think that they're, uh, I don't think that they think at all through. You think they're thinking at all about this? All they're thinking of is, we just don't want to be embarrassed. Well, yeah, that might be true, too. <laughs> but, you know, Lions fans are prone to thinking, oh, we have to draft by need, we have to draft by need, and we have to draft by need. But in the past, when you draft by need, as a Lions fan, you usually get screwed. You usually get screwed. You drafted Jeff Okuda because you needed a cornerback when you traded Darius Slate. He ended up being... Uh, total waste of pick as a third overall pick. And, uh, yeah, you drafted by need. You drafted TJ Hawkinson because he needed a, a, a tight end early in the first round. Um, hate to say this, but he hasn't lived up to his his uh, his play either because when I draft you in the top ten, I want you to be one of the best in the NFL, okay? Another person you drafted. You drafted Eric Ebron because he needed a tight end in the year that you passed on Aaron Donald, who you actually really did need, and he's actually a really good player. He won a Super Bowl, and he won Super Bowl MVP because you know. And he, but you passed on him because you needed a tight end, and Mark Mayhew thought that he would resign Sue when Sue didn't really want to be here. You drafted on need on many of occasions, and look what it's got you—absolutely nothing. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you're a Lions fan, do you draft by need? No, you don't draft by need. You draft by talent. And then you fill in the rest of the roster. Because here's the problem with the, with Lions fans. They say we need a quarterback, right? Yeah. I see it a lot. You're not drafting a quarterback. You know, most of these quarterbacks in in uh, in this this draft, mm-hmm. they you can find better quarterbacks in college right now that are better than these okay. hamstrung losers. Everybody likes the guy named Malik Willis, right? Yeah. Uh, he could throw a thousand feet. Uh, did you watch him against Auburn? Did you watch him against Ole Miss? The, the guy got spooked every time someone came in, the, in, in his backfield. Like, Pickett, the, the guy from Pitt. He had one good year. He has hands of a, of, of, of a three-year-old, and you suddenly want to make him an NFL quarterback. No, I'll pass. Like, seriously, I'll Past nine times out of ten. People Sounds got, like ten times out of ten. Yeah, ten times out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> nine times out of ten is when someone dies and I need a quarterback. But I'm not drafting in the first round. I mean, if there was only one quarterback I'd draft in the first round, it'd be, it'd be Sam Howell, and I wouldn't even draft him in the first round. Because I don't think any of these quarterbacks are worth a first-round pick. I think as a first-round pick, you should come into the NFL, and you should be very, very good to start. You should be... You should be showing progress, you know, you're not going to be great, you're not going to be Tom Brady to start out, I don't expect you to be Tom Brady to start out, but you got to be at least good, none of these quarterbacks I think are good, okay, 
So let's go on to that. And then the second part is people think that you need a defensive end in this draft. Yes, you do need a defensive end, but this is such a defensive end draft where there's so much depth at the position is where you can get in other rounds. And I know, I know. I can't even get a word in edgewise today. You are on a roll. Go. And, and you I, know. And I know Lions fans think that the draft ends after the first round, but I can tell you that it doesn't end after, after the first round. Most Lions fans, they don't understand that the draft goes seven rounds. And you know what? The good teams, the good teams like the Steelers, yeah, the uh, Ravens, uh, yeah. the Patriots, uh, all those those teams that convincingly win all the time. Yep. Oh, and the LA Rams, which your GM came from. Uh, they draft well all throughout the draft. And they don't wait. They don't uh, make these picks that end up busting out like Bill Bentley's dumbass. Or 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 uh, or uh, Ryan Broyles or Titus Young or Mikel Shore like you know Lions fans have been accustomed to. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. No. And it, and you and you look across. You can go across Woodward and go to the Little Caesars Arena, and you can see another team in the city of Detroit that actually drafts convincingly well after the first round, and the Red Wings. And then you could look at that and see, yep, there is more rounds to the end, you know, the draft than the first round. Right. So when I picked Jordan Davis, a lot of people thought, okay, Jordan Davis, he's a defensive tackle, didn't, he played limited snaps, all that jazz, which is just gobbledygook because if you don't understand, if you don't understand the... Uh, it's a very technical term, by the way, for all of you who are listening, gobbledygook. Go ahead. It is, it is. Because if you don't understand Georgia's schemes, you'll say, "Okay, well, you know, why are they? They play. They play. Uh, Jordan Davis played limited snaps. Yeah, because that's the way the defense is run. Like they they mix in the defense tackles because they're different. They, there's different styles that they want, and that's what good teams do. You know, the the Lions are going to go to a four uh, a four man front. Okay, mm-hmm. so that means that they're going to be using four man fronts a lot. So. I, if I could show up the interior of the line and I could say Jordan Davis, Aline McNeil up the middle, that's oh, that's over 700 pounds of man. And there's going to be four people that are going to block those two dudes because they're mountains of men. That's serious. Which, that makes it easier for a guy like Romeo Aquara, Charles Harris if he comes back, um, a Julian Aquara, any guy that they get in the draft. It makes it easier for them because now they only have to beat one man instead of two. That's that's and then then you then you say then you go okay well they can blitz too and then it opens up so much because you got to command double teams to these two massive dudes in the middle middle yeah because if they're so big they take up a lot of room you're gonna have to get double the power because I don't think one man's taking around Jordan Davis. Right. So that's why I picked him. And people were like, why did you pick Jordan Davis? Well, that's the reason why I picked him. Because if they're going to go a four-man front, like they, like Dan Campbell said, let's put two mountains in the middle, and you try to move these 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 boys. Yeah, you, you can't move. That's the one thing is you can't. You come up against a physical wall, a physical force. Yeah. That's going to be a problem. Um, and I think I think Jordan Davis, you know, we talk about all the time culture. And building yep. the culture. Yeah. I think when you look at a guy like Dan Campbell, what is he like in his team? He likes tenacity. He likes guys that are just ugly. Physical. Physical. You know, yep. they play physical. Yep. They give you a little bit of edge. 
Jordan Davis gives that. I mean, he's he's an edgy player, and he's and he ran a forty faster than Patrick Mahomes. Yes, which by the way they tweeted, which Patrick tweeted about, and uh, <laughs> yeah, don't don't do yeah. me like that. Don't but do me like that. That's he, what, you should have played that song, Joe. But don't do me like that. If right? if, 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 if 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 poor uh, guy, if Jordan Davis can run like that, right? Do I think he get chased down on a guy like Aaron Rodgers? Do I think he could chase down a guy like Justin Fields? Oh, heck Do yeah. I think I, he could chase down a guy like Kirk Cousins, who is, who is not that fast? Hell, yes. Absolutely. Because, listen, you're going to have to command a lot of power to these two guys that you have in the middle, and Lee McNeil and uh, Jordan Davis, and that will open up the entire defense. Because when the Detroit Lions had a good defense in 2014, what did they have in the middle? They had Sue and Fairley, two dominant defense tackles that commanded double teams, and they didn't really have great rush ends. But the rush ends got the benefit because those two guys in the middle took up so much power. That's why I took the Jordan Davis to the second pick. And then people were like, the rest of the draft sucked too. Which I don't really get because you got you got Christian Harris, linebacker. You need a linebacker. He's a good linebacker from Alabama. You got he, he really tested out well in, 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 the, in, the, in the combine. And I liked him before the combine too. And then there's a guy like Maji Sanders, who's a guy from Cincinnati. He's, an, he's a defensive end, uh-huh. which they need, right? They need that. They need a defensive end. He. Some is, people would argue they need everything, but go on. Oh, well, that's true. They need a top. They need. A, they need. He was one of the top forties at the edge position. He he didn't have a great combine, but I look at his tape and he's got very very good skill. And then with the two third round picks, you get two wide receivers. Jalen Tolbert. He's a size. He's got size. He's six three. Can run. He has physical comps to a guy in the division who Lions fans know because he plays for the Packers. And Devontae Adams, he's fast. He, he he runs routes really really well. And if you're a Lions fan, you should know who Devontae Adams is and what he commands and what he does. And then in the with the third, other third round pick, you got Tyquan uh, Thompson, who had the fastest forty in combine history. So as a wide receiver, I think it's pretty it's pretty good to have a good 40. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's an indicator of, you know, raw athleticism is what it is. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's a really good um, indicator well, if, of, of what – because if you don't have if – you, if you don't have anyone who's showing athleticism, um, I think you've got to end up coaching around them. You got a guy who's got athleticism. All you need to do is now take that. It's like having, you know, a raw, you know, something raw that you can turn into or into whatever you need just it to run be. Just run get the catch the ball. Yeah, just run, run it. Just, yeah. Because you know what, you've got a guy who can who has already mastered the essentials, yep. right? The essential elements, and sometimes it, it's you know, and you when you have that, you've got somebody where you can get consistency out of. And if anything else, when you're trying to build something, especially rebuild something, as we know, this is Rebuild City, mm-hmm. um, you need some kind of consistency. You need some kind of baseline, and then you can build it from there. Because if you're having to fix elementary problems, you can never get past that. You're spending all of your time with things that you know shouldn't be issues, um, and you never work, move on to more advanced, uh, you know, complex problems. So that's why I like the guys who show speed, agility, um, you know, you know, um, 
just the, the, the ability to um, to have the, the basic functions of, of the job. I mean, let's call it, it's what it is, you know? I mean, can you do the job? And now it's a matter of training you up, getting you smart, getting you to work in your organization, getting you to work inside the program that's been designed, um, that kind of thing. But if you don't have those, you know, those basics, I don't know, just I think a really good starting point. Yeah, it's a very good starting point. And, you know, people don't like that I picked a tight end in the fourth round with Cole Turner. The reality of the situation is the Lions are in a situation where they have to get a tight end in here because I don't know if you could pay uh, TJ Hawkinson and Mark Andrews money because that's what's probably going to be expected. Uh, TJ Hawkinson has not lived up to Mark Andrews money. And to be honest, He's been a league average tight end. He's been a league average tight end because he can't. You know, when you're, if I'm going to pay you top level money, I expect you to be making top level plays. I expect you to make plays after the catch. I expect you to make plays like a George Kittle. I expect you to make plays like Mark Andrews. I expect you to make those plays that are expected, that you are expected to do because you are a top level player. You mean even a, a Gronkowski, right? Yeah. Tom Brady's boy. The one thing that Gronk does really, really well is he catches touchdowns. He gets he's a red zone. Imagine target. that. He's a red zone. He's a red zone target. It doesn't get any more basic. And he's, trust, and he's trusted. When you ask when you ask me for what you need in a tight end, you need to be yeah. trusted. Yeah. And you know if I if I can trust you, get the first down after with the you know three yards after the catch. That's what I expect. And you know T.J. Hawkinson. He didn't have a lot of help last year. I mean, Amaran came at the end of the year. He came. He keep was coming on. But you know, when you're a top level player, I expect you to at least do the minimum, and I'm expecting more from T.J. Hawkinson this year. So there's no better way to get another tight end in here saying, "Listen, boy, get your stuff together, make some plays, do something." Yeah, because, I think because, I think a lot of people expected more out of TJ Hawkinson. I can tell you that because, because uh, your, I think there's your, a lot of disappointed people. Your head coach hurt. was a former tight end. Yeah. I mean he, he knows what it's it's it, he knows what it's you have to do to become a good tight end. And he yeah. was a tight end uh, coach in New Orleans where th- that tight end he's he's seen good tight ends come through there and make plays because that's what you need in the NFL. And I think that just getting a young body in here kind of Seeing okay, TJ, it's time to take the next step. I think that really puts him on another level, and then I think you know that's what you got to do with the Lions. I think that they have to make those those moves to get better. I think that they're at a position like the Red Wings where they need players to step up. You know, your offensive line is going to be one of the top five offensive lines in, in the NFL. You're going to mm-hmm. get Frank Ragnall back. You're going to get Dale Decker back. Sewell's a monster. Jonah Jackson was in the Pro Bowl last year. You got Vitae, who played really, really well at his position. It's it's, it's pooper get off potty for him and, and, and Jared Goff. Right. It's, it's time. It's time to step it up because you don't have any. You don't have any um, excuses because Goff and Hawkinson they need to get play a lot better because there is no excuses that you know offense line didn't play good. And that's the, that's the other and DeAndre Swift is another one. Show us you can stay healthy, because if you can't stay healthy, there's going to be another running back that's coming in here, and he's going to take your job. That's the way it goes, and that's the way it's, that's the way it should be. Yeah. And I think that's the way Brad Holmes is saying, like, listen, guys, like, 
he's going to give everybody ample room to, to improve. But I think at the end of, at the end of next year, he's going to look at he's going to make some difficult decisions that a lot of Lions fans won't understand because Lions. Let's face it, Lions fans don't know what a good football team looks like. How could they possibly? <laughs> they haven't seen. They haven't, <laughs> they haven't seen, seen one. They haven't seen a good football team. Right. They haven't seen. You know. They haven't. You know. Saw the what it takes to become a Super Bowl champion, and that's what Brad Holmes is, is trying to divide for. You know, he wants to win a Super Bowl. He wants to win in Detroit, and he's got the the people in the front office who will make those decisions that will really, really make the Detroit Lions a better football team altogether. And let's hope that they can do that sooner rather than later. Uh, let's hope that, that they take advantage of the draft. You know, the thing of it is, is that, you know, so many people get wrapped up in that that first round draft or whatever, but, but and we've talked about this before, and that is that you can really tell the sophistication of, your, uh, of the people in your organization when you see how they draft four, five, six rounds down. Yeah. Uh, that really shows sophistication. Anybody can pretty much pick the first or second round draft, right, uh, picks. I mean, the, the, those don't take rocket science, but you really see the sophistication and you get an indication of the direction that the Lions are going to go in when you look at them uh, further down into those uh, deeper deeper rounds in the draft. Yeah, and I think that if you're, you know, looking at the Detroit Lions as a whole, there's a lot of things that they got to get better at. And then, um, obviously, the free agency starts in a couple, couple in next week. And I think that uh, there's a couple of names that I think they can sign that will make the team better. And I think the reason I did this mock draft the way I did is because I have free agents that I think the Lions are going to sign. And I think they're going to sign a Marcus Williams, I, as a safety from New Orleans, who obviously knows Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go out and they're going to pay – Pay an edge rusher. Uh, I think they're going to get an edge rusher like a guy like Solomon Thomas. You know? God, but how much is it going to take? You know, that's a good question, Joe. How much is it going to take? How much do they have to spend to get some talent to come here? Because people don't want to come here, Joe. They want to play for a winner. They don't want to play for a losing team. They don't want to be embarrassed. I how think, much is it going to take? I think they see what Dan Campbell has. I mean, it's going to take. What's it take? I, Thirty million, fifty million? No, I think. I think. You, as a player, you see what Dan Campbell, how he coaches, and I think there's certain players that are very, very um, excited about the opportunity to play for a coach that has their players back, like Dan Campbell has a player's back. So what you're saying is that there are mitigating circumstances that might offset the financial uh, that they that and that maybe we can get some guys to come here uh, because they want to be part of what's happening. Yeah, and I think that you got you got to look at like, you know, what does Stevie Y get players in here for? Because you know, they want to play for Stevie Y. Well, yeah, but that's exactly it. I mean, they want to wear the wing wheel, they want to win championships, and they want to. They think that they could take the team the next step forward. I think when you get fit free, I think that uh, when Brett Holmes talks to these free agents and their agents, he goes, oh, "Listen, I, this is not a, just a, a you know one year plan. I want to get this, I want to get this team better." And you're how I will make the team better. You know, you get a guy like Marcus Williams. You re-sign Tracy Walker, like I, I've been told they will. Um, you make your team better. You get your team better for the future by just making these signings. And you 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 tell the players, I want you to be a part of this because you're a big part of this, and this you're the reason I'm going after you. I mean, to be in the, get in the mind of a general manager, if I'm if I'm Brad Holmes, I'm telling the players like, listen, I need you. 
because you're the reason I called you because I think that you can help us win. I think you're, you're, you're the guy that can take us to the next step. And I know that probably next year won't be this easy year. I think going into the future, I think you'd be one of the biggest parts of our team. So maybe, you know, it's a matter of a feeling of job satisfaction and that you're contributing to an organization. And I got to tell you, there's some truth to that, Joe. There's more truth to that than people think, you know, because I have, you know, someone um, in my family I'm very close to who took a job opportunity. And, um, you know, the reason he took it is, you know, yeah, it was a little bit more money, but, you know, there was some inconvenience. There was some relocation that had to be done and so forth. And, um you know, I have a lot of people listening out there. You've t- you've left jobs sometimes for less money because you couldn't stand where you were at, right? Right, and you wanted to be a part of something where you were, or go somewhere where you were appreciated. Yeah, and uh, that your you know so your talent and value is recognized. And so you know, I had someone you like I said made that made that leap for that reason, and uh, you know. Wasn't feeling the love, wasn't feeling the love too much. And I'll tell you, you know, even after everything he had to go through to take that job, um, you know, he's, he was looking, he was looking and, um, you know, now things have changed and now, you know, it's a little bit better, but you're right. Even though it was more money, a nicer locale, uh, the whole thing, a lot of circumstances better, but, um, if you're not feeling appreciated, if you're not feeling like you're bringing value, you're not, you know, it's really hard to be, to have job satisfaction. Maybe what Dan Campbell can do is take advantage of that, offer that, because he sure as hell can't offer the chance of a Super Bowl right now. Yeah. Uh, but he can offer at least that element, and that may get some people to move who are currently uncomfortable where they're at because they're lacking that in their current position. I think, you know, it's something to be told, too, if uh, we're building a team comes to you and says, listen, I need you to become the leader of this team. Yeah, that I, kind of opportunity. I, I, I think that opportunity really plays itself, and I think that you can get some guys in here who are willing to make the sacrifices uh, to make this a good team. You know, deal with a, a bad year next year because, you know, I don't think it will be a great year next year for them because they're still going to be very, very dis. You know, they're not going to have as much talent as the rest of the teams in the NFC because it's a very tough conference. But, I mean, you look at the Lions and you go, there's there's several opportunities for them to get better. And I think they will get better. I think they're really on track to get better. And I think that Brad Holmes, this offseason, he's going to make it a really big point to get some talent in here so he can really gauge some other players. Well, I mean, and look at what they were able to do at the end of the season. I mean, if nothing else, the Detroit Lions did show, and Dan Campbell showed, that they can hang in there with some of the best teams in the in the National Football League. Yeah. And if they did it, you know, because I think people were beginning to believe, and, even, you know, even maybe some of their members of their team were thinking, man, well, we, we can't do this. That proved otherwise. I think, so I think what that the, was important. I think what the end of the year proved for the Detroit Lions is – you look at the Detroit Lions and you go, okay, later in the year, everything that they went through in the first part of the year where they were they couldn't close games out and they were having trouble closing games out, they became better at. And they became better at getting better at closing games out, learning how to win. Dan Campbell, you know, he had the team fighting till the end. I think that's, that's, the that's, 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 that's something. The that's, you know, I think in every sport you're going to have games where you're going to get your ass kicked. You know, 
that happens. But when you can come back and play and have a good effort in the next game, that shows more about coaching than I think that you can get from anything. I think coaching, you know, we talk about the Red Wings over when they're, you know, they just got their ass kicked last night by the, the Coyotes. I think tomorrow is a big game because if they don't yeah. come out and play their game and they don't play a well game, I think that shows a lot about coaching. But I think that they will have a good game because they've shown that they can come back from bad losses. You know, it's the same thing with the Lions. You know, they came back from some pretty dysfunctional bad losses against the Bengals and the Eagles and, and the right. Broncos. And they came out and played a good game the next the next week. And I think that's what you have to expect from the Detroit Lions. I mean, they weren't the most talented team. But man, they played they played their ass off, and that's all you can. They really were certainly respect. the most tenacious team at the end of the season. Yeah, I yeah. don't think you could argue that. And they fought to the bitter end. And you know what? If you're asking what you want in a team that's rebuilding, just fight. Just fight. Yeah, show me some heart. Show me some fight. Show me that you're invested in this. Yep. Absolutely, and they've got that going for them. And they dealt with a lot of injuries last year. There was, yep. There was a ton of injuries for the Lions. They had Grant uh, Ragnow was out. You know, COVID ravaged the team throughout the you know the season, and that they just they really couldn't get going. And then they finally started. You know, last part of the year they started turning it on, making. I mean, they went. I think it was, you know, they they pretty much played five hundred ball at the end of the year because they won. Uh, they, they tied the game against Pittsburgh. They won against Minnesota. Won against Green Bay. Won against Arizona. I mean, they basically. Played a really really good game. You know, they went three and three in the last part of the year with a tie, and that's really all you can ask for a team that's rebuilding. Well, and I'll tell you, you know, I think when these other teams came in and they're playing the Lions, and the Lions are coming to play them, I don't really it was think... like it was like a joke. They were, the Lions were a joke, but at the end of the season, yeah, finally they were getting shown some respect. And people were taking them seriously. Yeah, because I think when you know, like Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until they get hit. I didn't think the I didn't think other teams came into Ford Field or playing Lions and said, "Okay, this team is you know easy," until they got hit in the mouth and are like, "Okay, this is dirt. They mean business. We right. got to start playing our game." That's yep. credit to Dan Campbell, and that's a credit to the coaching staff how they got these guys prepared last year with the amount of injuries they had and all that stuff. But this year, I look for them to make a really good step forward. I think that they will, and I think that Brad Holmes is going to make this team better for the future, but I think he's going to make them better next year because I think that they will be a better team next year. I think so, too. And that is all for this section. Uh, se- uh, no, this... <laughs> I can't even get it out. This... Uh, Your mouth is still numb from the dental work you had right, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. This portion- Joe had a very rough week. Just so you all know, Jeff had a Joe had a very rough day yesterday. He had some brutal dental work done. His mouth was half swollen shut, and he was trying to yell at the Red Wings at the same time. It was not a good time. It was brutal. But this is the next thing that we will be talking about is who is the better player moving forward in Detroit sports? Is it Mort Sider or is it Cade Cunningham? And that will be in the next segment. Thanks for joining for the Lions segment. We will have more on Detroit Lions news and between the whistles. So stay tuned to your hometown team. Join us. Welcome to Between the Whistles. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And in this episode, we are going to have a little debate because we have two rookies in the city that are absolutely phenomenal. 
and well, three rookies, but we are gonna. Come we're back. gonna put we're gonna put two one of them, two of them up against each other in different sports. In different sports, so it's gonna be very very hard to tell who is the better player because they're in a different sport and it's different ways of calculating those sports. So, but we will break it down for you and see if you agree with us. We don't even know if Joe and I are gonna agree or we're gonna disagree on this one. So the the topic is who will be the better player in the future. And it's very hard to gauge because in hockey, you can be. A, we'll just give you the, the players. In basketball, it will be Kate Cunningham, obviously, because he is a phenomenal player and he's in the Rookie of the Year conversation. Yep. And another player who is in the Rookie of the Year conversation in his sport is Mort Sider, the defenseman for the Detroit Red Wings. Yep. There's one thing that these two players have in common, and it's the 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 way that they play the game and the way how smart they are this early in their career. I think it's their approach. Uh, here's what I think they have in common. It's their approach. The fact is that they are, uh, they've both shown tremendous amounts of discipline uh, to do what, you know, they do what veterans do, and they're getting results that veterans can get because they've got all the benefits of youth as far as young bodies, young um, energy. But the way they approach the game is way different than their, their mindset. Their, yes. their mindset is far better than their counterparts. Their mindset is is fast forward 10 years. And that's why they're getting the best of both worlds and why they're both doing as well as they are. Uh, the other thing that I see that they have in common is that they both play their games, right? Cade Cunningham, he, he's aggressive coming up the net. He's, you know, um, he plays his game, his style. Moritz Sider, same thing. He's out there. The guy is, is smooth. He's poised. He plays his game. I mean, he's out there obviously very aware of what's going on on the ice, but mm-hmm. at the same time, he's playing his game. And um, that's something that both these guys have in common and uh, just shows a maturity far beyond their years. I mean, both teams have not played marginally better than each other. I mean, the, the Pistons are 1-13 without Cunningham. The team has won six of the last eight games, and he's scored yeah, they're on a roll. points with, in all of them. And you know what? This, you know, with the with Cider... You could say that he adds to the Detroit Robbing's chances of winning the way he plays the game and the way he so both these players contribute on the winning portion of their own. Team isn't as well talented, but both these players play so well in their the way that they perform and the way that they play that they are vying for the rookie of the year conversation in both sports. And that makes perfect sense, uh, because not only is it their individual performance but it's also what they bring to their teams, as you pointed out. Uh, that is also another strong indicator of a more mature uh, player. Yep. And uh, because they have an awareness not only of how their play and their performance and, and even their their off-court or off-ice behavior, you know, mm-hmm. how that impacts them individually, but also how that impacts their team and ultimately their performance when they do get put into theater. So, um that is uh, either they're having some tremendous coaching, uh, both on and off uh, the the field play, or they are um, just inherently aware of that. But either way, whatever it is, um, they're heading in the right direction, and it signals bright futures for both of them. The question that we have, and the question you posed at the beginning of the segment, Joe, is who's going to be the better player? Mm-hmm. Right. Um. And that is such a tough call to make because now you're getting into some real nuances of 
the sports that they play and their particular individual performance. Um, I, I think the question is who's going to be the better player in the immediate future? Who's going to be the, the, the better player 10 years from now? Yeah, I think the way you can kind of misjudge this is people are going to be like, well, if, you know, you can't really judge a player because of, there's so much that has to come into play of the players around them and all that stuff. But if you just take these players in a vacuum and say who's going to be the better player, you got to look at the whole landscape of two. these two players have been described or compared to two of the greatest players of that franchise history. In the case of Cider, he's been compared to Nicholas Lichstrom. Yeah. And in the case of Cade Cunningham, he just broke a record that was held by none other than Pistons' great Isaiah Thomas. So when I say these players could become the best at their position in time, I think we're really saying what everyone else is saying, too. And I'd say... You know I love most cider. Absolutely love yep. Morris Cider. Um, I've you know obviously when I watch him play in person, when I watch him on you know uh, where everybody else does watching home from my living room or whatever, uh, you know you see the same guy. You see that same guy. You see consistency. Sure, he still has your rookie flubs every now and then, but they're so infrequent. Um, you just see a lot of consistency with cider, and if he maintains that, he's only going to get better. Um, Cade Cunningham brings, um, a lot of energy. Uh, you know, his energy is terrific. His focus mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I like that about him. So when it, when it comes to say who is the better player, um, who's going to end up what, putting up the best stats 10 years from now, if we look back, we had a crystal ball and we can see 10 years into the future, whose statistics are better um, individually, I think, to be honest with you, I think in, in an individual environment, I think it's going to be Cade Cunningham. I think you're going to see Cade Cunningham put up better individual stats than Mo Sider. However, I think Mo Sider is going to be a staple and going to be a solid piece of the championships for not only this organization going forward, but any other club that he becomes a part of. I think as far as... Wait, are you saying Cider is going to be uh, out of Detroit? I hope he never is. I hope he's a long-term... I hope he's a lifer. I really do. But you know what? The reality is, as this kid gets better and better, and quite frankly, if he doesn't get the opportunities at the Cup uh, when he's in his prime, he might, and they're going to come courting him, and he might find that that's a better fit for him. You know what I mean? If he's yeah. looking for that opportunity. So there's a chance we could lose Cider in that environment. But I think um, I think you look 10 years down the road, I think you're going to see Cade Cunningham putting up better individual numbers. I think he's going, you know, if you're measuring it that way. But I think if you're looking at it in terms of a contributor to the success of a club, I think most Cider. No, I think this is the hardest topic we've ever done in our entire lives. Because, and the reason I ask this is because Listen, Cider does stuff that you really can't put on a stat sheet. You know, there's certain players, when they when you put them on a stat sheet, there's certain things that they do and they don't do, and that's how that's how they're courted, you know. In this case, like, 
you want to go, okay, Sider is a great player and he does this and all that. Cade Cunningham does the same stuff. There's some things that you can't find in the stat sheet that he is able to do. Yeah. And I think that these both these players, I think there's just they're an infectious player to play against because of the way that they spark their team. I think Kay Cunningham and Sider are both going to play for championships in the future. I think. Oh, now there's something I'll agree with you wholeheartedly on. I think both. I think you're looking at two champions in the making right here. They're they're both they're both. I I strongly believe Sider's going to raise the cup and Kate Cunningham's going to raise the trophy. I mean, it's there's no doubt I in think, my mind. I they're think both if you look at both these players. I yeah. think they're going to be huge in the rebuild process. Yeah. Uh, especially with Pistons. Uh, but you know, you look at the, the the Red Wings and the Pistons, and they kind of mirror each other. There's talent that they need um, to help them out. Mm-hmm. There's talent that they are deficient at. And but both these players, the thing, one thing that they very very well show is their ability to get the team sparked and make the right plays, do all the things that are necessary to win the game. And they both shown it. And if I had to pick one player to be the best at their position, I'd have to go Cunningham because I think that in basketball, you're more, in hockey, it's more of a team game, you know? Yeah, the dynamics are different in hockey. That's true. In hockey, it's more of a team game. You know, how are you a great teammate? You know, how are you, you know, sure, Sutter could be a guy like Nick Lipstrom, right? But they need a team to win championships. In basketball, it's a little bit different. If you have a star player like a guy who Kate Cunningham could be, and if he becomes like Isaiah Thomas, well, you got a superstar. And if you have a superstar, you usually get another superstar because they want to play a superstar talent. And that usually attracts championships. And, and that's how you win championships in the NBA. In the NHL, it's different. It's such it's such a hard team, hard league to play in. Um, you're not always going to be the best team. You're not always going to be the favorite. You know, usually teams when right. usually teams that win the Stanley Cup, they can get really, really hot at the right time and, and knock you off. I mean, that's that's happened before in, in hockey with the Red Wings. In basketball, you really don't see a team that gets hot and knocks off the top team. That usually doesn't happen. So, again, I think Cade Cunningham has the best chance to become, like, a star Yeah. in his league. I think because... If you look at it, LeBron James is going to retire in a, in a couple of years. Uh, Giannis, he's he's playing at a high, high level. But besides Giannis and and LeBron and Kawhi and, and and Kevin Durant, they're all getting older. Yeah. So I mean, in the NHL, there's a lot of young players that are very very well and very very good. Um, so I mean, I, well, I hope Cider can be one of those. But it'd be great if both these guys can become superstars, and I think they can. I think they, they're they're totally on track to become superstar talent. Yep. Yeah, I do too. The other thing I like about both of them, um, and this is, again, coming more from a personal side, because, like, look, yeah, we can talk about their athletic performance, and that's great. But you know what? They are both, uh, from what it appears right now, men of good character. Do you know what I mean? They've got their, their character guys, and that means that they're going to make the right decisions, hopefully, um, it'll be coming from the right place for their team, uh, for themselves. You know, Mo Sider talking about how he's already, you know, has the wherewithal to um, to know that he can't game all night and then go out and put out his best performance. You know, he owes it to himself. He has a sense of uh, 
of commitment to himself, to his team, to uh, you know the to the to the club that he plays for, the whole thing. And I think that Cade Cunningham has that same thing. You know, he's got. And he's learned, he learned responsibility early. You know, he has a young, a young daughter and, you know, he knows he's, he's got something to live up to and for, and, uh, he has a different perspective and I think that helps him too. So, uh, and he's just, you know, shown very good character in that regard. And, um, you know, so many of these guys, you know, you got a lack of character, you got a lack of, uh, you know, things start to lack in other areas. And so I think they both have that going for them as well. I think it's very, very cool that both of these teams have a guy that they can count on going in for the future. And I think both these teams have are on the right track because of the guys that they have that are actually, you know, they're not they're very beyond their with their age. You know, they act their, they act, you know, wiser. You know, you usually don't see that from these young players nowadays. You know, a lot of, a lot of younger guys want to take the you know the easy steps, hit the easy button, but these players they are. Very well trained in the way that they prepare, the way that they show themselves. They're very, very good at their game, and I think it's great to have two rookies of years that potentially in Detroit. But I think Cade Cunningham could be more of a star because if you look at the sport, a lot of these stars are getting older, and Cade Cunningham could become an absolute phenom. I think so, and, and that's why I think that. Uh... If I had to pick, that's that's the one I would pick. But uh, I don't think you'll be able to underestimate the tremendous value that Mo Sider is going to bring uh, for another decade to any organization he's with. And uh, I think you can't, it's, hard, it's hard. It's hard to put. You, like I said, you can't put that on a stat sheet. It's hard to uh, you know assign a, a dollar value to that of what it's worth. Um, I think Kate Cunningham's going to clearly make more money because they make more money in the NBA than the NHL. Yep. Um, so their salaries certainly are, aren't going to reflect, um, you know, the the value uh, of their of their uh, performance. But um, at the end of the day, I think they're both going to be recognized as some tremendous talent that got started right here in Detroit. I like the trajectory of all these teams right now. I think they always seem to have some budding stars but I think these two in, in hockey and basketball have they have very these stars are just way above what they've been before and they're just they're ready to they're ready to take center stage when the team is good and I like both these teams come, going forward because I think they actually have the talent to uh win these cha- win championships and I think that they're both led by some great people in the general manager spot would it be exciting if they both won in the same year in the same building, that'd be awesome. That's right. I mean, these, these, these party at LCA. Yeah, these two te- these two players share the same building, so I mean, yep, it's pretty. It'd be cool, pretty cool if they ran into I, each other. I was wondering, you know, I was going to ask you that. Do you? I wonder if we should check with some of our people because you know, y'all know we got people, right? Oh yeah. We should check with some of our people and see if that's ever happened. We should see if we can get a little insider. Intel on that one. I think they probably have ran into each other. I bet they have. I wonder if they recognize. Uh, you know, because you've always said to me, uh, like recognizes like, like sees like. I, I wonder think, if they I, recognize. I think that. they do. I think. I, I think, bet they do. I think when you when you walk into you know, because if you go to the LCA, you see Pistons memorabilia and Red Wings memorabilia there. You know, obviously you see the greats that played at, at that at that you know team. But the Pistons, you got Isaiah, Joe Dumars, all those players, guys from the Golden Award Pistons. I mean, these are just players that have came before you and. Both these franchises are very, very 
prominent franchises in their sport. So it's very, very critical for these guys to be this crucial step to their team, and, and we're rooting for both of them. You bet. Because we are your hometown team here on Between the Whistles Detroit, the this Cindy and Joe a, show. This has been a really, really good show, Cindy. Yes, it has, of course. And it's a good thing because I'll tell you what, I'm I'm tired. I had a long day yesterday. We talked a little bit about, you know, your crisis of, you know, uh, of dental work yesterday. But I, I was on, you know, I was on camera yesterday Oh, for for about eight hours, no longer than that. Yeah, I was Secretary about, of State race, right? Yeah, no. yeah. I was on camera uh, doing commercials for about four hours yesterday, and then after that, I was at my board meeting and I was on uh, camera for another three or four hours. So I had to smile a lot yesterday. My cheeks are, you know, getting tired. But know, no, it was. Uh, I know it's a rough. A lot of camera. I know it's a rough history. life in the politician realm. It can be. It can be. I know it's be. rough. I know, I know it's very, very rough to get to your appointments and all that jazzy juice. We do a lot of meetings. We do a lot mm. of uh, events, which is great. And by the way, I you know, thank everybody from the Between the Whistles you know, family and everybody who listens to the show and um, has been very, very supportive to me uh, You know, in my in my run for Secretary of State. And uh you know, for, for those of you who aren't aware of that, um, you know, as Joe's pointed out, you know, I've been an elected official for a while here. I'm a township clerk, but uh, making the big leap. I'm she, going into the big game. She also, ta- she also talks State. sports, which means she's not a typical bullshit politician. So, well, I don't know. It depends on really who you ask. But uh, uh, you know, in, here's the thing about your 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 you know? your, your line of work. Yeah, I've come to find out there's a bunch of dumbasses that just like to speak for nothing. You know? And I know you can't say that. I know you can't. Uh, I know you can't say that, and I know you're uh, just laughing about uh, it because you, right. you can't say anything. Of course not. But there is such dumb people in this whole world that just they like that. They like to spur stuff up in this whole political realm, and it's just I don't know how you do it because I'd be going on you know the Facebook and like ranting and raving about these people because I think that they're just complete dumbasses. Boobs, right? Yeah, boobs. Yeah. Just, just like Matt and Trisha. Boobs. Let's put a, a sport reference in there. Those of you who watch this, who listen to the yeah, show, you know that Matt, Matt bunch, Patricia is the biggest of, boob according to it, Joe. Bunch of boobs. You got a bunch of boobs, a bunch of a bunch of oh, illiterate people who don't know what they're doing, and, yeah. they, and they they think they know what they're talking about, but they don't because you obviously have the you know the cachet and you know what you're talking about. I listen. I, if I was in your position, I'd be like, what in the hell? Well, you know, I mean, I could say say this, you know, I, I've been in, and we were talking about, you know, recognizing greatness, recognizing champions, like recognizing like, and I'll tell you, you know, I've been in, in politics for so long that, uh, you know, I, I can spot a winner pretty quick, pretty off, much off the hop. Um, there's a certain characteristics that a winner has, uh, certain characteristics that a, that a pro has, and, and you recognize that when you've been doing it. I've been doing this about 25 years. So, um, you know, you, you start to recognize those things. And I would just say for people who don't uh, pay attention, they're not in politics, or, you know, you pay attention every four years or something like that. And I know it's kind of boring and dull, but, you know, um, for us, for me, it's exciting. I love it um, and always have. So I'm, I'm weird. I get that. But, um, you know, like you said, Joe, I think the best thing that people can do is make sure you research the people that are running for office because these are the people that are going to be making decisions on your behalf and uh, doing it every day. So you want to make sure that you get to know who those people are, 
uh, you know, get your questions answered, reach out to them. We're actually pretty approachable. Most of us are very easily found on our social media. We've got websites. Uh, there's usually contact numbers. And you know what's shocking, Joe? A lot of times we answer the phone ourselves. We don't have staff answering the mm-hmm. phone. We answer the phone. And um, so a lot of times you get to talk to that person, um, you know, that you see on TV or that you hear about or whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, give us a call because we want to talk to you. We want to answer your questions. And, um I encourage you to research those those candidates and go to their website, go to their follow them on social media, and you'll learn a lot. So that's how you can avoid avoid the uh, what did you call them, Joe? The um, the boobs. The, the boobs. Yeah. Yeah, and so. and you know it's 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 a very very uh, tumultuous situation, especially in this political realm where you have to deal with a bunch of idiots and i feel bad for you and uh godspeed <laughs> well thank you i appreciate it and, I, and i'm looking forward i can tell you i wish guy, i you know i wish i'm looking forward to this you know, you, know, you know what would really make politics really uh fun to watch oh boy it's, like it's not fun enough because believe me i can point you to some pretty entertaining listen, board i meetings. would love <laughs> i would absolutely love to watch if boy. you can if it could be like nhl where you're like, listen, bro, we're going mano y mano. We're th- I'm talking fisticuffs. We're going <laughs> to beat each other's ass right here. And like, Drop the gloves. I drop the gloves. Yeah. I think it'd be awesome because it'd be theater. Because he, can you imagine, could you just imagine the, the, like, the carnage that would ensue if it was Joe Biden versus Mitch McConnell? Oh, my God. You'd have to have... Someone that would end up with a broken hip. It'd be Geriatrics awesome. are us. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Someone's, someone's ending up on a, with a broken... I mean, I don't say that. Okay. That would be that would be um th- that would that would be theater. Be hey, it's a, it it's a broad capital. Let's go. Uh, Boom. Uh, well, I, I can't say that I would necessarily subscribe to that. Uh, Pelosi idea, versus but... someone that we know, Lisa McClain. I'd fu- I would choose. I, listen, I'd pay pay per view for that. <laughs> that would be absolutely awesome. Well, I'll tell you who would, I, I can tell you who would win right now, and that's Lisa McClain because nobody has as much energy as uh, Congresswoman McClain does. She's good a, friend of ours. She's a, she's a little fighter. She she is. She's uh, a fighter, and that's what you need well, in Washington. She's from Michigan, so we all know how to fight in the state of Michigan. We're you know if you tell that's if what you, we do if you if you say if, if you go to Capitol Hill right now and you say you're from Detroit, you know you're not from Detroit, but you're from Chesterfield Township. But right. if you know no one's close goes, enough, no one close goes. Enough. I know where Chesterfield Township is, or I know where Livonia, because I live in Livonia, and I say Livonia, people are like, where's that? Like, close to Detroit. Right, like, oh, right. Okay. You know, so you say Detroit, because in a broad sense term, because, right. and then when you say Detroit, you get these, like, looks on your, their face, like, oh my god. Yeah, they're a little afraid of you. And it's like, yeah, bit. you should be afraid of me, because, you know, when you're driving that 9-4, like, you know, Kwame, you say, you're driving a 9-4... It's it's tough sledding. You gotta you gotta gotta be tough. <laughs> you gotta be tough. You gotta be yeah. You gotta be ready. So um, yeah, this is gonna be a great year, and I'm excited. Uh, I think I'm gonna bring a lot. I, I know I can bring a lot. But we uh, will continue Michigan, so. to bring you sports opinions, even if she you makes bet. the Secretary of State race. We will be from Capitol. We will be from the Capitol, Lansing. We'll That's right. I'll, I'll I'll do my Secretary of State gig. And then I'll cut out of there, and then... Uh, We're doing a live stream at the Capitol. You bet. Oh, boy. Here we go. Good stuff. Talking sports. Well, let's, let's see if we can get Tom Mizzle, you know? Maybe we can make Tom Mizzle governor of the state of Michigan. Hey, that can you imagine? I've got to hope we get some better seats here I at mean, the Wings if, game. I mean, if we did Jim Harbaugh as, as a governor of Michigan, I think we'd be defunct. So, anyways, that's a <laughs> side point. No comment, except for I will say one thing, and that is go green. Yep, and uh, we will be talking to you on the next episode of Between the Whistles, Detroit, your hometown team. 
I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. We'll see you next time. Uh, Sector State Cindy, to be honest. And we will see you in the next uh, broadcast of our podcast. We'll see you then. See you then.